The horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Roads Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Glad to have you with us for this edition of Trip Talk. Today, we're going to go visit the Queen Mary. Sounds like a great time. We'll be back with author Nicole Strickland. She's an authority on the RMS Queen Mary, and we have plenty of questions for her right after this. The holiday gift-giving season soon will be right around the corner. It's not too early to fuel the open road dreams of special people in your life with a subscription to American Road Magazine. With exciting features, quality writing, and beautiful photography in every issue, American Road makes a perfect gift for road-tripping moms and dads, gallivanting grandparents, adventurous aunts and uncles. Maybe that special friend will enjoy it too. Visit AmericanRoadMagazine.com, click subscribe, and for a limited time, you can enter the code KKNW to receive 25% off your subscription. Alternative Talk 1150, talk radio for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. Nicole Strickland currently resides in San Diego, California and has been innately intrigued with the paranormal since childhood and has studied the field for many years. But there's way more to Nicole's story than that. Nicole Strickland has a fascination, a scholarly commitment, and a very fine-tuned appreciation of the RMS Queen Mary, one of the greatest ships ever to sail the open seas. She has been actively investigating historical landmarks and private residences for paranormal activity and historical context since the early 2000s after a profound experience with the spirit of her beloved grandmother. On this show, we talk about the history, we talk about the glory of the open road, and sometimes things get a little eerie. That is never more so than when you're talking about the haunted and the beloved Queen Mary. In fact, there's a book called Spirited Queen Mary, Her Haunted Legend. Nicole Strickland, the author, joins us. Nicole, I'm so delighted you could be on Trip Talk today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. What an honor. We are honored, and we would be delighted, all of our listeners, to hear about your connection, your fascination with the Queen Mary. How did that get started, and where has it taken you in your research? Oh, my goodness. It's such a journey. So I was first introduced to the Queen Mary in the year 2000. So I was a junior in college. And so I went to the University of Arizona. And then for spring break, I came back out to Southern California, where I'm from. And one of my friends and I decided to take a cruise, a carnival cruise, just a little three-day carnival cruise. And there's actually a carnival cruise port right adjacent to the RMS Queen Mary in Long, in Long Beach, where she is moored, currently moored. So that was my very first intro, introduction, if you will, to the Queen Mary. So we were driving on Queensway Highway, and I saw the Queen Mary from the back seat of a car. And it was just this in, like instant connection. It's hard to put in words. And I said to myself, I will be back someday. And so that day came in 2005, and I actually drove to the ship, parked in its adjacent parking lot, went up the uh, elevator, walked up the gangway, and went on a deck. That's one of the hotel decks and where the uh, hotel check-in lobby area is. And the second I planted my feet on board, 
I felt an instant connection, even more so than when I just first saw it from the backseat of a car. I felt like I've been there before. Everything about it was familiar to me. And I just instantly felt the ship's soul and heart, if you will. And so from that time on, the rest is history. And so I made it a point to study the ship's history uh, extensively. There's always something new that I'm learning. And of course, as a paranormal researcher, the Queen Mary is known as one of the most haunted locations in the world. I think she sits at number six or number seven for the top 10 most haunted locations in the world. And so I've, since my time in 2005, have conducted numerous uh, paranormal research projects in many areas of the liner, as well as uh, having written three books about the ship and articles. And I love to go on radio shows and talk about the Queen Mary. I feel like it's my duty to help share the ship's legacy, because even though she has retired and has been since December of 1967, the ship is still serving its purpose and, and reaching the hearts of millions of people that come to visit her every year. So it's, it's really been a wonderful journey. Absolutely. I can tell you, Nicole, and thank you for that. I can tell you a bit different story. I've only been on the Queen Mary one time. There was a fraternity. There was a, <laughs> I, got, I can't wait to get back again, particularly because I'd like to have a different sort of experience. There right. was a fraternity gathering. I went to Cal State University Fullerton, and we got together with our fraternity brothers from the University of Southern California. We had a big soiree on the Queen Mary. Wow, fantastic. Went there on a Friday. It was, it was great. I loved walking around the ship. It was extraordinary. The luxury is just incredible. The, I know. Uh, less luxurious was an incident, though. Uh, it didn't involve any ghosts. That would have been the easy part. One of my fraternity brothers, first name of Steve, he got himself good and plastered, and he decided that it was time for him to strip down to his skivvies and jump off the Queen Mary into the harbor. Oh and he goodness. did. I didn't know this. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a few of my fraternity brothers fished him out of the drink, as it were. And oh I watched God. it. I, I asked him, why in the world did you think of doing that? What made you do that? And he just went, seemed like the right thing to do at the time. Why not? Oh, my goodness. And he wasn't injured at all? He wasn't. I don't think if he was injured, he wouldn't have felt it. Believe me. Oh my gosh! So he's he lucky. jumped oh, off the Queen Mary. It's that funny. oily water. Oh. I mean, all that. Yeah, yeah, all that muck. So we we oh, uh, not not me personally, but I observed him being fished out of the harbor there, and uh, he was plenty cold. He got himself dried off and continued partying. That's my experience of the Queen Mary. So if I ever go and there's any ghostly activity, that would be a nice image to replace the one that I have. <laughs> I would say so, absolutely. Your chances are pretty strong for ghostly activity there, let me tell you. <laughs> and you know, that's interesting, Nicole. I wanted to get into that because when we do trip talk, we like to talk about, yes, places that are haunted. They certainly attract many, many visitors, all these locations around North America, for sure. But if you went looking for luxury, if you wanted to see how people sailed in the good old days, this transatlantic beauty and all of her magnificence, the size, the scale, all the appointments, the, the glorious history and the wartime service as well, surprisingly to some people, 
That was the Queen Mary was put into service during World War II. You could go yes, for that reason alone without having any interest in the paranormal. You can go for a good time and a rich taste of nautical history. Absolutely. And actually, that's, you know, my main reason why I love the Queen Mary. I love the Queen Mary just because she has such a special and such an enriching soul and heart about her. I really do feel that the ship itself is alive and speaks to certain people, uh, calls to certain people. She's always had this uh, almost uncanny way, if you will, of uniting people that are meant to meet and meant to get to know each other. And I've had that experience uh, more times than I can count. And uh, it's just it's amazing. I, I love the Queen Mary for her heart and soul and for her rich history. I mean, she is a humanitarian emissary, if you will. I mean, she has helped so many people, especially during World War II. She helped lessen the war along with her sister ship, the RMS Queen Elizabeth. Those two, due to their size and speed, helped lessen the war by about at least a year. I think this is according to Prime Minister uh, Winston Churchill. I believe he said it was a year, I, I think at least a year. And just, you know, bridging people together and, and uniting the old world with the new and just being such an educative and enriching vessel. And she still does that in her retirement. I mean, you can go on board and have a delicious meal. Once you step on board, you feel like you're back in time, you know, to the 30s and to the 40s. I mean, she sailed as a ocean liner pre-World War II, and then, of course, resumed that uh, post-World War II, and you can just literally step back in time. There are so many different tours on board. Of course, they have paranormal tours, but they have uh, history-related tours as well and different kinds of events, and it's, it's just it's such a fabulous historic location, and we're Southern California is so lucky to have the Queen Mary, and she sailed here. She had 1,001 uh, peacetime voyages. Her uh, last captain, Captain John Treasure Jones, helped sail the ship, obviously, into Long Beach. It was a huge event on December 10th of 1967, and one of his last words were finished with engines. And, of course, you know, he cried many tears, and it was just a very nostalgic event for everyone involved. And so we've had her ever since, and we're just so blessed. Oh, I, I get chills just hearing you talk about the Queen Mary. Mm -hmm. And I do remember that visit, and I certainly hope to get there again. I didn't know that much of the history when I visited. Am I correct, Nicole, in saying that Adolf Hitler put a bounty on the Queen Mary? Yes. So he had uh, any for any submarine U-boat, German U-boat uh, captain, if you will, uh, a $250,000 award with the Iron Cross with Oak Leaves, I believe it was, um, for, like I said, any U-boat captain that could sink the Queen Mary. So during World War II, she was known as the Great Ghost. She was uh, painted in all gray as a way to uh, camouflage her, if you will, from the enemy. She sailed pretty much the seven seas. I mean, she went to Africa. She went to Australia. She went to all these different ports. And to be honest, she should be at the bottom of the ocean, but she's not. So I think a lot of that was due to skill and luck, of course. But I, I do feel that there is this almost spiritual protection around the ship and that protected her during her, uh, you know, career on the seas, if you will. But, yeah, I mean, obviously that never happened. But, yeah, the Queen Mary was 
such a huge target during World War II, and miraculously, she never fired. Well, practice sessions, yes, but she never fired at the enemy, and the enemy never fired at her. And so it's something, when you think about that, it's, it's truly miraculous. It definitely is, and I guess we should be clear would the term troop ship apply? What exactly were the uses of the Queen Mary in wartime? So she, uh, when she, her maiden voyage actually was May 27, 1936. And so she appealed to uh, British, uh, you know, members of the aristocracy, Hollywood uh, stars, actors and actresses, and people pretty much from all walks of life sailed on the Queen Mary as a, as a luxurious ocean liner. Then at the, uh, when, out, when World War II, uh, at the outbreak of World War II, due to her size and her speed, so she's 81,237 tons, 1,019 feet, 12 decks, right? So pretty large ship. Due to her size and speed, she was requisitioned for World War II service as a troop ship, along with her sister ship, the RMS Queen Elizabeth. And so she carried numerous soldiers from all over the world to and from their destinations. And then, of course, that's when uh, the attack on Pearl Harbor happened. That's when the United States entered the war. And that's when she started carrying United States servicemen. And I think in total there were about 810,000 United States servicemen that uh, sailed on board the vessel throughout World War II. And also... Uh, later in the war, she carried um, not only injured soldiers to the United Kingdom, so she became a hospital ship, but at other points during the war, she ca uh, carried uh, German and Italian prisoners of war as well. And then at uh, when World War II ended, she had to not only repatriate all those servicemen, but she carried World War II war brides. And so a lot of when the United States entered the war, a lot of these British and European uh, women married United States soldiers. And so they needed to sail on ships in order to meet up with their um, married men. And so that's how the war bride career came about. And I think all in all, for about six months, she carried uh, approximately 22,000 war brides as well. So she's had such a pretty, like, uh, un I mean, her career is just so amazing, it's mind-boggling. For the British back in the day, and this wouldn't have been an opinion held by everyone, but I've heard the stories of Brits saying, the good news is the Yanks are coming, the bad news is the Yanks are coming. <laughs> As they used to say, <laughs> this, be this became circulated, these Yankee Soldiers and sailors are oversexed and they're over here. And that was their problem with it. And then the Queen Mary takes the war brides away. So that must have been controversial. Yeah, I would say in a, in a, in a bit. Yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. <laughs> then Absolutely. that makes me very curious, Nicole, to ask you now, once the war is over and the war brides have sailed away, once those rounds have been completed, what needed to happen to refit the Queen Mary as oh, a luxury ocean liner? I mean, think about it. She had to be refitted from an ocean liner to a troop ship for World War II. And then she had to be, at the end of World War II and all that, she had to be refitted once again back into an ocean liner. So many of her 
prized art deco paintings and and you know pieces of artwork were housed in, in warehouses in New York and you know fancy china and silverware and all that had to be housed in these warehouses and so it was just such an intricate process to convert her back into an ocean liner so even the class structure changed a little bit so there's post world war ii there's first class um oh, i'm forgetting exactly the order um but the class just the class the classes were different before mm-hmm. world war one and they were um termed differently after i mean world war before World War II and termed differently after World War II. But, I mean, it was just, I mean, it's hard to, if you go to the ship now, many aspects of, of it are different than how it was when it sailed. Um, there was a sea deck, if, I, if I'm correct. It was dubbed the Burma Road because it was just such a long, you could pretty much from the, the forward end to the aft end see pretty much down the hall. Now, if you were to go, the deck structure has changed a little bit, too. But, it, I mean, that's different. So there's so many aspects of the ship now that are different than during her ocean luxury years and World War II years. But there are still areas such as, like, the observation bar, which is the epitome of, you know, Art Deco luxury and um, many of the other areas in the ship that are still, you know, pretty much similar to how they were back in the day. But yeah, how incredible that would be the art deco masterpiece that it is to go there and to be a part of that ambiance. That would be extraordinary. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. I mean, anywhere on the ship, you can kind of breathe that in. But uh, one of my favorite parts is obviously the forward observation bar and and the murals and the lighting structures and uh, the veranda grill in the aft portion of the ship, which used to be the Starlight Roof Club for uh, cabin class, which was first class passengers um, pre-World War II. Uh, So, I mean, it's amazing. Absolutely. Nicole, what if somebody comes up to you and starts discussing the history of the Queen Mary, asking you questions, and then makes a comment like, I would love to go to the Queen Mary. That the scale of it, the size of it. I mean, it would be like almost as big as the Titanic. What would you tell yeah. them? I would just kind of nonchalantly be like, "Well, did you know that the Titanic is actually a little smaller than the Queen Mary?" I mean, it's said that the RMS Titanic could actually fit inside the body of the Queen Mary. Really? So smaller? Yep. Yep. I mean, a lot of people think, well, you think of Titanic as, oh, big, right? Nope, she was smaller, a lot smaller, actually, so she could fit inside the Queen Mary. Very that is similar fascinating. in look, right? Different, different yes. builders, of course. John Brown and Company built the Queen Mary. Harland and Wolf built the Titanic. But, you know, some, they're, they're often compared to one another, which is interesting. I can see so why feel, that would be true. Nicole, yeah, because uh, back uh, back in the day, you're looking at people who had a, a a shared vision to some extent about what a luxury ocean liner should look like and how it should operate. Right. Absolutely. I mean, there's just little differences. I mean, besides the size, of course, but, you know, the Titanic had four smokestacks. The Queen Mary had three or has, I should say, three. So that's always a pretty, you know, visual distinction right there. But, yeah, they're often compared to one another. I mean, and interestingly, too, on the Mary's, Queen Mary's, if you will, maiden voyage, she sailed past the exact sinking, the exact spot of the Titanic sinking. 
Oh, and wow. uh, they held a, a nice little commemoration for those lost. And so that, you know, if you're thinking in terms of paranormal activity, that may have been the tap in point. If there are any spirits left from the Titanic, you know, they see if they see and feel the Queen Mary coming along a ship that looks very much like the Titanic, the one that they sailed on. Maybe they felt comfortable to, to comfortable to you know go on, and so there's a lot of theories that there are uh, Titanic, you know, spirits from the Titanic on board the Queen Mary, and I could see why that is absolutely. So I should ask you, Nicole, at this point in our interview, in the remaining minutes, please tell us about the most celebrated ghosts of the Queen Mary. I'm thinking of little Jackie and the unfortunate young man who died in the boiler room. Right. Uh, this is an interesting question. Sorry, my clock is going on off in the background. You know, I want to be respectful to all the energies on board. And I mean, it has been said that there's about 600 plus spiritual energies on board. Um, late psychic uh, Peter James once said that he used to do a lot of work on board the vessel before he departed the earthly plane, sadly. And so, you know, from any given day, I mean, it's, I think that some energies might come through on the Queen Mary and not stay, but pass through. It's almost like, you know, if you have welcome centers for states and cities, I feel like the Queen Mary is almost like a welcome center for the spirit realm. And so some may uh, come on board, stay, some may come on board and leave. But it has been said that there's around 600-plus resident spirits, if you will. Uh, the, my, the two that I've built a rapport with and have had many interactions with are Jackie and a man by the name of uh, JP. I'm just going to use his initials um, out of respect for his surviving family that are, uh, in, I believe, in the United Kingdom. So Jackie is about six or seven years old, and we don't know her origin. Now, Peter James said, in his opinion, that she died by drowning in the second-class pool. The second-class pool is no longer on board. It was stripped out in the Long Beach conversion when she came to Long Beach. We've done some forensic evidence and have not found any origins to who Jackie is. So we don't know if she was a passenger, uh, someone that just came on board. We don't know who she is. But she is absolutely intelligent, very adorable, very talkative, likes to interact with passengers. Uh, a lot of people are like, you know, is her name really Jackie? Again, we don't know, but one of my EVP sessions that I did with some other investigators about 10 years ago, we asked her that. We said, Jackie, is your real name Jackie or is it a name people call you? And she responded with, my name is Jackie. So, you know, maybe it's a middle name, maybe it's a first name, it's hard to say, but she's, I would say I've seen her, and she looks very similar to actress Shirley Temple. I would say could be a sister to Shirley Temple or a cousin to Shirley Temple. Mm -hmm. All over all over the ship. You can experience her all over the ship. However, a lot of people experience her in the former first and third class pool. But I've seen her in other areas of the ship. And then, of course, with JP, he uh, was an in, uh, not an engineer. He was a fireman and bilge cleaner who came on the Queen Mary. His first voyage was in March of 1966. So at the time of his demise, I think he had had three prior voyages. And the voyage number uh, 
that he was on when he passed was either number 482 or 483. And so he worked in the boiler rooms. He was assigned to the boiler rooms as a fireman and bilge cleaner. But on the specific July voyage in 1966, he was assigned to the aft engine room. And so around 4 o'clock a.m. on July 10th, 1966, another crew member found J.P. upright, wedged, and crushed by watertight door 13 on the starboard shaft alley Mm. side. Of course, bleeding from the mouth, bleeding from the nose. Uh, The nurses and, and attending doctor pulled him out, laid him down. They weren't sure if he had passed yet, so they administered morphine. He was later taken to the hospital where he did tragically pass, and he, his remains were sent home to his mom in the United Kingdom. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a, I don't have the luxury of sharing this because it's, you know, within confidence, but I did talk to a former crew member who did speak to John the night that he died. And I will say, I can't, again, due to confidence, I can't share what was said, but I will say this, that it was a very positive experience for, for John oh. to have met this crew member. And so, but John is someone who, um, his first name is John, um, I'm not going to, I said JP, first name is John, but I'm not going to reveal the last name, just out of respect for the family. But uh, JP, John JP, uh, is often seen in the engine room area. So there's the aft engine room that still remains, and that's one of the most popular areas of the ship because you can actually see the machinery as it was when the ship was built. And then, of course, the forward engine room, which is part of Boiler Room 5, that's stripped out and is now the exhibition hall, and they're, I think, retrofitting it, I guess, if you will, for a museum. And then, of course, boilers 1 through 4. Again, the boilers have been removed, but you can still see the space. John has been seen in that area, but pretty much like Jackie elsewhere in the ship as well. He's been seen in the hotel deck. He's been seen wearing uh, like a vintage engineer suit, if you will. Some people think he has a beard, but it could be just grease from, you know, working down in the boiler yes. engine room. I've seen him. Now, there's a historical picture of John and... When I saw him in Boiler Room 4 about two years ago, it was as if that picture came to life. So I knew it was him. And he just kind of had a, like a slight smile on his face, and he appeared and then wow. just demanifested just like that. So Nicole, it sounds like JP, JP is still on duty, is what it sounds like to me. It's very well it, could be. Very well in our last be. few seconds, yeah. please tell people about getting to the Queen Mary is parking easy? What does it cost if you want to go and, and visit this glorious vessel? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a huge parking lot, like right adjacent to the ship. And so there's different price points. Of course, you can stay on board. Uh, there's a hotel on board. There's different passes that you can get. And okay. obviously with different price points. And then you can just go on for like lunch or dinner. So it's pretty cool. Beautiful. Well, I want to get yes. the name of your book out again. Spirited Queen Mary, Her Haunted Legend by Nicole Strickland. Nicole, you are a researcher of various wonderful locations. We definitely want to have you back on Trip Talk. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. You as well. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. Along with Thomas and Becky Rep, co-founders of American Road Magazine, we remind you to visit our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue of American Road Magazine. Until next week, drive safely and dream well.